You are listening to a conservative review production. Trust, but verify. You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. Welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It's July 25th, 2016. Monday, big of a big week ahead of us. Yet another big week. Um, you know, and I wanted to talk to you guys about something very serious. And I think it's it is really foundational to everything we've discussed together for the past few years. Um, you know, all the articles we've written. And that is... The crisis of conscience. If there was ever a time when we needed a conservative conscience, it's now. We started, um, you know, this part of conservative review, the conservative conscience, precisely for the purpose of not moving along with the gravitational pull of the times that we live in, to stick to our timeless principles, to understand what's right and wrong, what to understand what's constitutional, to understand what's the best policy. Albeit there are times when you do have to make different strategic choices. And what we face now is a crisis of conscience that is shaking me to its core. I know it's shaking some of you to your core. And I want to just look back broadly to show how this is exactly why we've gotten to where we are pretty much over the last 28 years, ever since Reagan was term limited in 1988, why we've never <clears throat> had any hurrah of conservatism. We've never had any major successes aside for some very minor tantalizing victories here and there. But we face this crisis of conscience. Um, you know, I, I first want to just start off, and as I mentioned last time, we have some sponsors that are, are kind enough to join in with us at Conservative Review. And it's just important, important to remember, we're going to discuss, you know, what do you do when you're stuck with the lesser of two evils or the evil of two lessers in any given election? You know, not everything is a binary choice. There are thir- There's a third way. And it's not going to be what you think I mean, <laughs> um, at least at this point. You know, part of it is there's other things you can do aside from what you do in terms of voting at the top of the ticket every four years for president. Every day... When you make purchases, just understand you are often funding statism. You're funding Planned Parenthood. You're funding Hillary Clinton. And I'm here to tell you, your mobile um, carrier, your you know whether whether it's Verizon, AT and T, they give money to left wing causes. You are an unknowing supporter of statism, and that's why me and my wife we're switching to Patriot Mobile. Please check it out, PatriotMobile.com. Um, they offer everything you want, you know, in a mobile carrier, talk, text, high-speed 4G LTE data, competitive rates. They donate up to 5% to your conservative organization of choice. So not only are you not um, donating to things that violate your conscience, you could actually uphold your conscience and, you know, be proud of it and actually help the cause of conservatism where it really matters not just in politics, but upstream from politics, in the culture, in the marketplace. This is where we need to win the battle. So let's go back to this crisis of conscience. What is conscience? You know, James Madison 
wrote an essay on property rights. It was in uh, 1792. Um, yeah, so you're talking about picture the first couple years of the Republic, three years into it, the Constitutional Republic, things were still very tenuous. And he laid out very clear parameters of the importance of property rights. But then he has a, a, a paragraph there that really sticks out to me. And I, I have this in my book, Stolen Sovereignty, How to Stop Unelected Judges from Transforming America. It is shipping now within two days. Please order it at Amazon. Just look it up, Stolen Sovereignty. But anyway, the Madison quote goes as follows. He says, Conscience is the most sacred of all property. Other property, depending in part on positive law, the exercise of that being a natural and unalienable right. To guard a man's house as his castle, to pay public and enforce private debts with the most exact faith, can give no title to invade a man's conscience, which is more sacred than his castle. A person can't take your views, your values away from you, and you gotta keep them. The only one who could take them away from you is yourself. The crisis we face right now in this election is the crisis we've faced every single time for 28 years when we've never had a conservative on the ballot. And frankly, we haven't had a conservative party down the ballot either. Um, let, let's, let's, you know, let's not uh, kid ourselves here. And we're always stuck with the lesser of two evils. So we're, we're, you know, what happens is we complain about the Republicans for four years all the time. And then you know, it comes to election day or a couple months before the general election of a presidential election, and we say, oh my gosh, the Democrats cannot be allowed to win. Oh my gosh, whoever that person is. Oh my gosh, imagine if Gore wins. We're, we're done. Oh, Kerry, he's worse than ever. Oh my gosh, Nancy Pelosi could actually become speaker one day. Oh my gosh, imagine if Barack Obama wins. You know what? If Obama wins four more years, the, the damage is irrevocable. And then now, oh, if Hillary could win, the damage is irrevocable. So, I mean, look, we've been, we've been doing this and we've been failing. And I want to explain why we've been failing at this. It's precisely because we never aspire to anything more than the lesser of two, two evils or the evil between two lessers. So we always lie to ourselves and the establishment Republicans lie to us because they know, you know, conservatives are the most repulsed by Democrat victory. And they say, if the Democrats win, we're dead. If the Republican wins, whatever piece of crap that guy is. We're, we're on a road to the promised land. And it's just not like that. It's not true. And what we do is we violate our conscience. And in the process of doing so, it's strategically dumb anyway. Because we wind up getting what's even worse in the long run as, as witnessed by the breathtaking victories of the left over the last 28 years. And that's what I want to develop here you know in this podcast we don't have that much time i could talk for three hours about this because it really speaks to the fundamentals of of what we're talking about here you know and i want to first just preface just to explain you know a little bit who i am what i've been doing some of you know me better than others i'm not one to talk about myself a lot because it just i really you know like to focus on the issues i'm a lot of other people in this business they kind of kind of becomes about a personality um, but as, as some of you know, I've spent the past decade in this business, um, you know, sacrifice potential, you know, better just, you know, financial opportunities, a lot of family time. I have three young kids, three boys under the age of seven, um, a lovely, amazing wife that just keeps the house afloat while I'm sitting and banging my head against the wall fighting these ba- battles. 
Um, Over the last four or five years, I've been involved in almost every legislative fight. I've been involved in almost every major primary, and I've personally recruited people like Matt Bevin to challenge the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, Chris McDaniel. Um, I was involved with Dave Bratt. So I've tried every which way to right the ship. I've, um, you know, I, I was involved in all three of the coup attempts against John Boehner, particularly the last two and the final one that wound up succeeding. I've written thousands upon thousands of articles on almost every major policy issue, every political angle, but most particularly, as many of you have noticed, on law and order, national security, and immigration. I've written a book, Stolen Sovereignty. A big part is on the judiciary religious liberty, but half of it is on immigration and the, the case for sovereignty, the case for a, 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 you know, a toned-down immigration system for the coming years for a number of reasons that I make that case. So what I want, I don't say this to brag, I say this to, so you can see what conscience and intellectual honesty do. If there were, if there's anyone who badly wants to defeat the Democrats, if there's anyone who badly wants to change the party and chart a new course, if there's anyone who badly wants to embrace at least what Trump said in word, um, at, at the convention in the first half of his speech on law and order, the war on the cops, you know, criminal justice, Immigration, it's me. It it is very possible there is not a single writer out there in the movement who has been more prolific on those issues in totality. So if there's anyone who should be completely bought in, oh my gosh, pedal to the metal, this is awesome, Trump all the way, Trump's our savior, Trump's our God, it would be me. (laughs) Um, You know, unlike many of the other people that have reservations about him, um, who are open borders type of guys, some of these people that I've called thumbsuckers, conservative intellect and in, in conservative intelligentsia guys, I ain't one of them. I was anti-establishment before it was cool. I was anti-elite before it was cool. I was for immigration restriction before it was cool. Um, you know, not just the 2013 Gang of Eight battle while Donald Trump was promoting amnesty, by the way, but even the 2006-2007 battle while Mike Pence was promoting amnesty. But I digress. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. We have a crisis of a conscience that I've never seen ever, even though it's occurred every four years, every two years, during midterm elections, but this is the worst ever. Everyone's saying, well, Daniel, what are we going to do? We can't have Hillary. It's either Trump or Hillary. That's it. And, And yes, I mean, in terms of when you go out to the polls on November 8th, you know, who are you going to vote for at the top of the ballot, at the top of the presidential ballot? Yes, it's one of those two people. Okay? That's at this point, that is, that is signed, sealed, and delivered. But our country is not hanging on that. A lot of it is what it's already built into the cake in terms of the destruction of the Republican Party. The governors, state legislatures, Congress, the congressional leaders, the culture, media, entertainment, um, nonprofits, the business world. We're losing on all those fronts. It's not that. It's not as consequential as you think. You know, while it does seem like we live in a dictatorship sometimes, it's still not like North Korea, where theoretically, if you had a ballot determining if you're going to vote for King, Kim Jong-un or not, uh, you know, that would mean everything. It doesn't mean everything. Obama's presidency was certainly very, very consequential, but a lot of that, I would argue, was baked into the cake. 
um, from the movement that the left has created that allowed him to get away with that, and the lack of a Republican Party that allowed him to get away with that, and the lack of the Republican Party is because we failed to vote our conscience. You know, people are all up in arms. Cruz said, vote your conscience. Oh, and then, and then work on down-ballot races. Oh, what a terrible human being. And incidentally, when Ivanka Trump got up there and said she basically votes her conscience and votes for Democrats most of the time, that was fine. But I digress. You know, let, let's, let's talk about this choice. There is a third option. There's a difference between saying, look, you know, I, I really, I can't envision four years straight from Obama to going to Hillary, I, you know, the damage that's going to be done. So I'm going to, I'm going to vote for Trump. I'm, I'm again, I'm not speaking in first person. I'm just saying someone could say this. Um, I'm going to donate to them. I'm going to campaign. I'm going to go knock on doors to the extent they even have a ground game <laughs> operative in operating in uh, swing states. Do that. Knock yourself out. But there's a difference between going all out and saying, oh, my gosh, Mr. Donald J. Trump is going to save us. And whatever he does, you defend, you rationalize, and you even champion versus staying at arm's length and saying, look, I'm going to make a strategic choice. I'm going to once again vote, vote for the lesser of two evils. Same way we've been doing for 28 years since 1988, starting with you know George H.W. Bush and Dukakis. But I am not going to change my views. I'm not going to violate my conscience. I'm not going to change who I am to comport with what this man says and does. I'll put it in the show notes. I'm not going to repeat it, but you saw my analysis on Trump's acceptance speech. And so let's just start off. We have three legs on the conservative stool. There's the security, national security, kind of immigration sovereignty um, leg. There's the free market, limited government, economic conservatism. And then there's values, civil society, what some call social conservatism, what I would argue nowadays is not even social conservatism. You don't you need to be a social conservative to believe that a, a marriage is not a picnic bench um, between 10 people. Um, a man is a man, a woman is a woman. I mean, this is literally what we're left fighting now. So it's not, we're fighting decivilization. So you don't even have to be religious or a social conservative. But those are the three legs. Two of those legs were gone. I mean, it was economic populism, a lot of progressivism. Maybe there's one or two things you might agree with, but there's a lot of very problematic Bernie Sanders, left-wing, top-down, big government stuff. The guy didn't mention liberty, limited government. Um, you know, he supports, he, he praised, I mean, not during the speech, but before he's praised the Canadian healthcare system. I mean, he's for eminent domain for private land use. There's a lot of problems here. Most egregiously when it comes to values. LGBTQ! I mean, he, he didn't mention God during the speech, but he mentioned that twice. So, um, you know, we now have at the Republican convention, you had the PayPal founder out there saying, we are the ones inciting a culture war by just believing a man's a man, a woman's a woman. Trump gets up there and the LGB, and, and this is nothing new. He's totally in their camp. Um, he said it before. He said he's going to have the courts decide the contours of religious liberty, which is like saying I'm going to have uh, you know, Hamas decide the fate of the Jews or I'm going to have the uh, uh, foxes decide the fate of the chickens in the hen house. But, you know, the point here is he he does not believe he believes he is God. This is a very top-down speech. And even on that one stool, that one leg of the stool, the security part, which let me tell you, based on the text of the speech, that was put on the teleprompter, written by Stephen Miller. 
I, I, I know him well from before his time with Trump, and we've worked together on immigration issues. It was good. Law and order. And, but I, I will tell you that you can't isolate that, that leg from the other two legs. What happens when you have one leg of a stool? Well, you have zero legs because the thing falls. You get nothing. Um, when you're, you know, let me ask you this. If, if, if Putin would come and become president of the United States, is that a good thing? I, I would submit most of you would say no. Now, there are some ancillary benefits to having a dictator. I, I would submit he'd be pretty good on sovereignty. You know, unlike the liberal despots, uh, your run-of-the-mill dictators don't want to destroy their own country in that sense. So they at least want sovereignty, They, you know, and he would be good on it. I'm not saying he, Trump's going to be like Putin, but I'm just saying he does like Putin a lot, and that is in the news a lot, with Putin um, hacking into the emails and leaking a lot of damaging stuff to Democrats, which many of us will laugh at, and we like humiliating Hillary, but... Let's face it. I mean, he clearly is very close with Trump, and that should bother people. And Trump put out on Twitter today what you know that he's friends with him. So, you know, that's a problem. I mean, he's not coming from patriotic assimilation, consent, the preamble, constitutionalism. Um, you know, preserving the Judeo-Christian heritage of America. You know, I, I have three chapters in my book explaining the rationale for sovereignty and and you know reducing our immigration at this point. It's not where he's coming from. He's coming from a strongman, uh, top-down approach. And we might land in the same place on some policies. I'm just telling you, there are a lot of problems here. It is undeniable. But what I have seen in the last couple of weeks scares the heck out of me. I've seen some of the biggest conservatives, social conservatives, people like Tony Perkins, people like, you know, obviously Falwell Jr., even people like Franklin Graham, they're all in. You have Jeff Sessions going around saying, LGBT. I mean, uh, that's great outreach there. I mean, dude, if you want to say you don't want Hillary to win and you're going to vote for him, or you like what he's saying on some of the things like immigration, more power to you. That's exactly what Ted meant when he said, vote your conscience. If you're more disturbed by him, you have the right not to be intimidated to say, you better vote for Trump or you're going to elect Hillary Clinton. Um... If, if you're more bothered by the thought of Hillary winning, so vote your conscience. But don't sell out your, don't change your views. The transgender agenda is not all of a sudden okay because Mr. Donald J. Trump said it is. Okay, we don't all of a sudden support, um, you know, top-down big government because he, he supports it. Keep an arm's length. And, and just the opposite. Now more than ever is the time to double down on these values and to say, look... I, I, you know, again, and I'm not saying this for myself, but I'm saying you might, you might say this, look, I want Trump to win, I can't have Hillary, um, but I'm going to double down on, on electing better people down ballot, working to get rid of leadership, working to get, um, to, to fight on liber- religious liberty in the state legislatures, working on these long-term projects like reforming our primary process, reforming um, our entire system through Article 5 conventions. We need to look past this election. We need to think long-term. Because what we're doing now is not working, whether Trump wins or not. And frankly, whether Cruz would win, whether Louis Gohmert, pick your best guy around, would become president. We don't have a Republican Party. This has failed us. And the reason it has failed us is because we've been doing this every time. We sell out our views. However bad our guys are. If our guy wants 500 abortions, but the Democrat will have 1,000 abortions. If our guys support transgenderism, well, by golly, the Democrat's going to support bestiality. You're always going to hang your hat on something. But 
this is what has gotten us here. So all I'm asking is, if you're going to support him, there's a difference between supporting him and then saying, I'm going to change my views and throw everything out to comport with him. I'm going to denigrate anyone who has issues with him. Shut up. You're not allowed to say anything and point anything out. I mean, this guy's going to do an egregious thing every day. What we're supposed to defend that because we're scared it will help elect Hillary Clinton? It is not only morally wrong, it is strategically wrong. Let, let's, let's go back in history a little bit here. Let's go back in history. We are here today because we refuse to have that painful surgery. We, 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 we don't have a Republican Party. I mean, what you saw on display at the convention is social conservatives, and really fiscal conservatives too, do not have a place in this party. And they never really did, and we were just fooling ourselves for a number of years. Reagan was a bright spot on the map. He thought that Bush would continue his legacy. Instead, we went backwards. And every four years, we always had the, we never had a conservative. We never did. They were all lesser of two evil people. Some of them had moral issues. Most of them was more ideological issues. But understand there are problems with this, strategic problems with it. I remember when... A couple of years ago, there's there's an individual named Scott Desjardins. He's still a member of Congress from Tennessee. He had affairs with tons of people and allegedly ha- had two of them get abortions. And I wrote a column saying, "Dude, we got to get rid of this guy. This is a big problem. We, you know, this is why the millennials, you know, aren't going towards us. They they see this hypocrisy in the culture. And they're like, screw it. They're all a bunch of frauds. We we need to have that consistency that people could respect if we want to, you know, gain people and and move people over to our side. And I was shocked at the amount of flack I took for that. Well, you can't have the Democrat win. So forget about you know this risk of having a Democrat win the presidency." We're willing to support a guy who cheated on on his wives with, you know, had an orgy and then had two individuals get abortions just so we don't lose one seat out of a body of 435 members. Is this who we are? We become like political animals. But again, it's worse than principles. It's strategically stupid. During the Bush years, you know, a lot of people that were in this, I was young at the time. A lot of people warned me, said, Daniel, this isn't working. This, this big government stuff, not only aren't we getting anything for it, but you know what? We're, they're going to wind up winning. The Democrats are going to wind up winning because of this. We're going to get blamed for it, and they're going to win even bigger. It, we need to do the surgery now. I was so revolted by that thought process. I, how could you? Oh, my gosh. Th- this Nancy Pelosi will be speaker. I mean, Harry Reid will be Senate majority leader. John Kerry will be president. Can't have that. So, you know, we won and in 2004, great. And you know what? We lost in 2006. We got Pelosi anyway. We got something worse than ever imaginable. We got Obama in 2008. It happened anyway. And do you know why we lost? Compared to Democrats, when Democrats lose, they die on their hills. They fall on their swords. We die not on our hills. We die on their hills. We fall on their swords. We lose elections anyway, either right away or two, four years later because of it. We lost the election because of corruption, because of big government. We lost the election 2006, 2008 because of, you remember the Foley scandal. A gay pedophile Republican. But we had to, the Democrats couldn't win, so we circled the wagons. Do you understand that in retrospect, the entire eight Bush era was a fraud? 
the entire era, we controlled the House. Dennis Hastert was the speaker, longest serving Republican speaker in American history. We now know was nothing but a gay pedophile. And by the way, that explains a lot in retrospect, what was going on during that era. Um, and that's the point. So it's not just that we look like frauds. We lose because, because of the corruption, because we get blamed for that stuff. So when we're so scared that they focus us on the moment of the time, oh my gosh, you can't let the Democrats win. You know what winds up happening when you don't follow your principles? Most of the time, the Democrats wind up winning. And even if the Republican wins, we get almost nothing for it. The few things we get come at a huge cost. And then the Democrats wind up coming back later with a much bigger mandate and a much bigger victory, and we get something much worse anyway. This is the problem. Think about it. Republicans have controlled the House. The House is the most single powerful branch of government. Full control of the purse. You control it with a simple majority. We've controlled it for 18 of the past 22 years. We've got nothing Look at any measure, the dependency, the growth of government, the growth of programs, the growth of the debt, and then socially, oh my gosh, I mean, it's off the charts. Um, We've gotten to the point, think about this, at the beginning of GOP control in 94, Chuck Schumer was the lead sponsor of the Religious Freedom Act. Now we can't even get a conservative to support it. Mike Pence doesn't support it. Um, we're, We're on to bestiality and transgenderism, mandated by the courts. I mean, this is how bad... What have we gotten for it? We've been doing this. You can't let this guy win. You can't let this guy win. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. We sell out our principles. We stand for nothing. How about this? Instead of seeking new and foreign principles and and changing our principles to comport with some strongmen because we continue to fail in pursuit of tired old tactics, why not renew our old timeless principles but with new innovative tactics? The nuance should be our tactics. Instead, we, we, we change and corrupt our conscience because we bang our head against the wall on the same thing every four years. We're going to win this color war. We're going to win R versus D. I mean, it, we're, look, and, and I'm, not, I'm not telling you guys, if you want to do that, you vote for Trump, vote for him. That, that's fine. But, but don't lie to yourself that we don't have major problems before Trump, during Trump, and after Trump. Um... You know, one of the things I always thought, I knew Trump wasn't a conservative, but I was hoping that at least he'd get rid of the establishment. (laughs) What a joke. Every establishment puke in congressional leadership in the RNC is preserved in full force, more empowered than ever before. So you have their luggage mixed with Trump's luggage. You know, you had Trump the day after winning the nomination, the day after giving a speech last Friday, a couple days ago. He got out there, and instead of taking his message, which, like I said, the first part written by his staff was good. Illegal immigration, why why don't you worry about American lives first, Hillary? Look at what's going on in Germany with the Syrian refugees, and you want to have a 550% increase in Syrian refugees? Would have been great messaging. Instead of what what does he do? He talks about Cruz's father's connection to Harvey Oswald and assassinating JFK. Stop for a moment. We got a pro- that, that's a problem. You know, we're like Balaam who walked around, you know, against God's word to try to curse the Jews with his donkey, and the donkey spoke to him and told him to cut it out. And instead of having some cathartic moment, he, he didn't even think for a second. He just started legitimizing it. And he talked back to the donkey. Hey, I was getting, uh, you're ticking me off. I'd kill you. What? We talked to the donkey. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, Donald Trump. Uh, you know, he's off message, but we got to win. We got to win. LGBT, LGBT. We start using their terms. No, that's a problem. He starts praising the nude pictures of his wife, how artful they were, and what a classy magazine GQ is. It's, it's not quite as good as Penthouse, but almost as good as Penthouse. Is this who we are? Again, you want to vote for him? Vote for him. Knock yourself out. But let's not change who we are. In fact, let's double down on this. Let's hold him accountable. Let's think beyond November, whether he wins or loses. What we're doing is not working. I'll, I'll tell you this much, because if we don't hold him accountable, if we don't build a durable conservative movement up and down the ballot, you know, outside in, in, in non-elected organizations, here's what's going to happen. If, if Friday was any indication, you're going to have a freak show once he becomes president. He's going to do a lot of liberal stuff, and we're going to get blamed for it. He's going to do a lot of just, in general, freaky, indefensible, immoral stuff. Again, not unlike the Democrats. You're going to say, well, Hillary will too. I know that. But again, we're going to get blamed for that. Let's say he does some good things. Let's say, let's just give him credit. Let's just say ahead of time he does build a border fence. But the problem is, even the good stuff, he's going to smear in feces because of the bad stuff, and, and we won't be able to touch it for 20 years. We're going to get blamed for it. And you know what? You're going to get the Democrats anyway two and four years later in the midterm and presidential election. It's going to swing pack. So all the, the whole reason to elect him, oh my gosh, because the world is going to be destroyed, you're going to get it anyway. You're only going to get one court pick unless Ruth Bader Ginsburg just dies. She's not going to retire. Kennedy is not going to retire if Trump becomes president. Um, so we're just going to get back instead of six to three lib, it's going to be five to four lib. And the lower courts, like I said, are gone, gone, gone. Um, even if Trump does appoint some good people, it's not going to shift the balance. Um, read, you know, I, I, I go into that in chapter nine of, of my book, Stolen Sovereignty, a little bit more in depth. It's not going to matter. You're going to get it anyway in four years. And just like in 2006, 2008, 2004, that era, you're going to get it even worse. Well, who could be worse than Hillary? Well, first of all, they're always getting worse. Second of all, Hillary is a good face. You know, if if God told me were to come down and tell me, all right, the Democrats are going to win. Pick your choice. <laughs> who do you want? I would say I want Hillary because she is detested. She is hated even by a lot of Democrats on both sides. Both moderate Democrats can't stand her. Um, she's Nurse Ratchet. They can't stand her demeanor. She's washed up. She's from Jurassic Park. People have had enough of her. And then the far left is ticked off at her with the whole Bernie stuff and now the leaked emails. She is not going to have a mandate. I'm not saying she's not going to do harm. But if you have Trump do his stuff and we don't check him, and we don't keep him in line, and, and, and make this a conservative presidency, we're going to get blamed for this stuff, and they're going to come back with a fresh face that, that's going to get a much bigger mandate than Hillary would get. All I'm saying is, I don't want another four years of this, but I don't want another 28 years of this either. It's a crisis of conscience. We've become such political animals. We, the other, and the establishment manipulates us. They know that we are so reviled by the prospect of Democrats winning that we just say, save us, save us. Okay, you know, Democrat good, Republican bad. I mean, sorry, Republican good, Democrat bad. And yeah, the Democrats all are always bad, but the Republicans are bad too. Well, they're not quite as bad. Well, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, but... That is not getting us anywhere. It's hurting us. It's hurting us morally. It's hurting us strategically. This is why no one respects our views. It's time, you know, Ronald Reagan, in his famous 1975 CPAC speech, he said, you know, 
is it a third party we need or a revitalized second party? If he weren't around nowadays, he would say, is it beating a dead horse and trying to re- re- revive a dead horse party after 28 more years of failed tenure after my presidency? Or is it to chart a new, fresh, consistent path? The problem that we've had the last number of years is that we win enough victories that are too minute and too insignificant to fundamentally move the ball forward, but yet they're tantalizing enough to allure us into this false sense of security that we decline to pursue the tough long-term reforms that will actually create enduring victories. And that's the thing. Right now, there's not much we could do. But we need, to, we need to start a third party at some point, no matter what. We need to, at least in the meantime, reform our primary process, that we have state conventions, that we could elect more conservatives in one shot. We need to look at Article 5 conventions. We need to be more aggressive in fighting on the states, fighting for religious liberty, fighting for the Constitution, fighting for judicial reform, which could be done through simple statute, stripping the courts of their jurisdiction. I don't want to hear this nonsense, oh, the, if the Democrats win, they'll, they'll kill the courts. The courts are killed. We're not going it to. It would take 16 years of Republican presidency and bucking the trend of Republicans half the time appointing bad judges themselves in order to change the balance. And then even then we get kicked out after 16 years and the Democrats would just pick off where they left because this one sided precedent. Our, our side respects the precedent of the other side. They don't respect the precedent of our judges. There's a lot of reasons why we're never going to fix the courts. Um, you know, I'm not trying to say that as an excuse to vote for Hillary anyway. I'm just saying either way, whether it's Trump or Hillary, whether it would be Cruz or anyone else winning, appointing better judges is nonsense. It's it's not going to work. Do it when you get the chance. But it's, it's, it's like saying I'm going to send better people to the Middle East to reform the Middle East. The legal profession is, is rotten to the core. You're not going to change it. You have to strip back their power, return it to the legislative branch of government, and I lay out that case in my book. We are way over time here. There's a lot more to talk about. Um, but just remember, whatever happens, don't sell out your conscience. If you see Donald Trump doing crazy things, if you see the Republican Party and the RNC and the establishment, don't say to yourself, oh my gosh, I have to turn a blind eye because I don't want the Democrats. Just the opposite. Double down on pushing where you can, um, whether it's, Boycotting Target and, you know, in the corporate world and, and you know, changing your mobile carrier to Patriot Mobile, um, whether it's, you know, starting your own media entity, whether it's running for office yourself, whether it's writing, whether it's working on down ballot races. And ultimately, I, I promise you guys, as sure as I stand here today, we will continue repeating this failure if we do not start a third party. I know it's difficult, but it's even more difficult to reform this existing party. It will not happen. And the events of the last current last couple weeks should, uh, you know, (laughs) should solidify that thought process in your mind. We have a crisis of conscience. I'm telling you, over the weekend, I had a friend of mine who told me that if Hitler would run against Hillary Clinton, he'd vote for him. (laughs) And he didn't realize the stupidity of what he's saying because, you know, and I don't like talking, and, and certainly this is not to insinuate that Trump is anything like that. He was just kind of just to illustrate how much he hated Hillary. Um, you know, let's not talk about Hitler. Let's just talk about any other, any dictator, a Putin, an Erdogan, these type of guys. It's stupid for a number of reasons, because either that person will suspend democracy and then it will be worse. 
Um, or if they don't and you do have elections, the Democrats will come back and crush us because of that. And they'll win even bigger with an even bigger mandate. So I'm saying not only are you selling out your conscience when you say that, it's strategically stupid. And the last 28 years stand as a testament to that. So, you know, let's let's look broadly. Let's look wide and deep. Um, this is what we try to do here at the conservative conscience, not just to focus everyone on dangling in front of them what's the, in front of them at the moment. But, you know, this is my experience I've had in fighting for a number of primary opponents, fighting every legislative battle, fighting in the judiciary battle, writing my book, um, Mark Levin, all of the stuff he's done. And, and please, you guys got to sign up for LevinTV.com. It is the only sane TV show, political TV show on air now. This is what we need to do. Um, we need to just hold where we are. We don't need, it's not this thing, do I go with Hillary or, or do I go with Trump? When you go out to vote, put, you know, filling in the bubble for Trump is not synonymous with selling your soul to him. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, even if that is your ultimate decision, you know, even if you're not bothered by the playboy mentality and the, na- and praising the National Enquirer and, and the values and the progressive Bernie Sanders fiscal policies and the statism and, um, you know, his love affair with Putin, because you still think Hillary Clinton is worse. I respect that. I understand that. Don't sell out your conscience. We will never win in the long run that way. We need to pray. We need to pray to seek God's counsel, that we retain our values, that we could see some sort of path ahead, not just in the short term, but in the long term, to fundamentally restore our nation to create this great reawakening, not just in our political sphere, but in our culture, that we don't continue this spiral downwards, whether Republicans are in office or Democrats in office, like we've experienced um, for pretty much the last half century with the aberration of the eight years of Reagan. We need something greater. Do what, vote to quote Cruz, vote your conscience for now. But let's aspire and strive for something much greater in the long run. I look forward to working with you all for long-term ideas, long-term solutions. That is my commitment. I will never, I will not rest. I'll continue putting in the time. I need your help. Tweet me at RM Conservatives. Drop me emails. Send me your ideas. What are your ideas? This is not about one man, one person, you know, cult of personalities. Conservatism is bottom up. We believe in each other. We believe in a civil society. We believe in our founding values. Let's focus on what made America great in the first place and chart a new course to take back our republic, not just in four years, not just for two years, but once and for all in an enduring victory. Thank you so much and God bless. This has been another edition of The Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.